Welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a weekly podcast for writers. Grab a cup of coffee, perhaps some paper and pen, and enjoy an interview with an author, a chat with a writing tool creator, perhaps a conversation with an editor or other publishing expert, as well as Kat's thoughts on writing and her own creative journey. You'll laugh, you'll cry, well, hopefully not actually cry, but you will probably learn something. And I hope you'll be inspired to write. Because as I always say, you have a story, you should write it down. This is Pencils and Lipstick. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pencils and Lipstick. This is episode 143. And today is October 4th, as I record this. So I'm trying to get my recording done a little bit sooner (laughs) than I usually do. So it is a hot day. Um, We've pretty much been inside today. I've been trying to get some writing done. It's amazing to me how the day just disappears from my little fingers. Actually, I have quite long fingers, but you know, it just disappears. It slips away. I always wake up every day with so many things that I want to do. You know, if I'm um, going for a walk or jogging or exercising. A lot of times I'm listening to another podcast. Many times it's, it's either the self-publishing show or Joanna Penn's or novel marketing or something like that, trying to learn as I go. Um, there's a couple different courses as well that I'm going through and they always leave me with such inspiration, right? But Then the day keeps going by and I just don't seem to get as much done. Um, Part of it is that I'm revamping my web page, my website, I guess. Uh, I'm setting up all of my coaching um, pages, I guess, and the the class, the course pages that I'm offering for the fall. And that, that just takes me a while to get done because I don't, I'm not, super tech savvy. Um, I can get it done, but it probably takes me longer than it might take some of you. So I actually found somebody in New Zealand to help me with my website because I just kept, I felt like I was going in circles. So I think that that's going to be a good investment, you know, finally, um, admitting that I might not know exactly how to do it (laughs) properly. So if you head over to catcaldwell.com, possibly within the next month, six weeks, you're probably going to see a few changes going on there, um, especially to, to speed it up and to help it well, look the same when whether it's on a desktop or a cell phone, which at the moment it doesn't. So anyway, so the other thing that I am doing is trying to lose weight. Yes. Like specifically, I've always really liked exercise. Um, I've always been super active, lifting weights, you know, all that stuff, but man, hitting your forties is a bummer. So (laughs) for all you who haven't hit, hit your forties yet, let me just warn you. Um, and, and nothing's really happening. So I cheated a little bit on my diet today and I don't really feel bad about it, but you know, I looked at myself in the mirror and said, you know, if you're really going to do this, you really should do it properly. 
blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't give myself much respect as I'm my dietitian coach. Um, anyway, we'll see where that journey takes us. There's no news now. Trying to stick to a, a healthier snacking diet. I tend to grab carbs, so we are trying not to do that. I'm trying to eat cucumbers from my garden and apples, and I actually do eat quite well. Um, I'm just not one who loses weight very easily, so we shall see. Um, I have been able to keep up with my exercising routine since I'm back from Spain. In Spain, I got a lot of steps in. I walked probably 20,000 steps a day, but that didn't really help combat the um, beer <laughs> drinking that went on. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I am just happy to be strong. I'm very, very grateful that my back is doing better. My hip is doing better. I can sit for at least an hour at a time. I can stretch my body. Um, I can't do most of the things that I want to do in the gym. So I'm grateful to that. It's, it's just a bit frustrating as any of you who have gone through an injury understand, you know, how quickly you can pack on about, about seven pounds. I would like to lose about 10 and how slow it is <laughs> to get those to, to leave. But you know, again, it's only been 10 days. Um, I really, I don't know. We will see. I really am pretty dedicated to it. I was thinking today as I, as I was listening to, um, an interview with another author who has a hundred books out. And I, I was sort of combating <laughs> having this conversation in my head of, okay, you know, working out, just like getting ready for it, get heading to the gym. If you guys go to a gym or, you know, just getting out the door, doing a little stretching, maybe a couple, you know, abdominals and then getting a shower and getting ready to go. Like that takes an hour and a half, two hours of your day, you know, and that's if like no one interrupts you. Um, and so I was like, okay, well I need to write but I also want to do this thing that's healthy for me, you know, um, how do I fit it all in? And, you know, that's partly why the hours seem to, to slip away from me. And I have no good answer to that, except that I should wake up at like 4am. But as you all know, if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, that's just so hard for me to do. Um, we go to bed late. Um, I'm not great in the morning. I, I, I like to use that time to sort of pray and have a little quiet time before everyone else wakes up. And, you know, once school starts, 630, I'm up and like dragging my kids out of bed and making sure they're eating something semi-healthy for breakfast and getting my husband out of bed as well. And so, you know, doing that while exercising, it just doesn't work anyway. We shall see. If anyone else has these frustrations, please let me know. We can, you know, drown our sorrows together. <laughs> so I was going to say in a glass of wine, but that's not allowed right now. I'm not allowed to have that. So physically, I am feeling well. And that is the most important thing, I think, to me at the moment that uh, my back is almost completely fully healed. 
not all the way, but way better than it was. So as for writing, I am writing. I am getting outside the ring finished better. I am going to probably put it out for beta readers very soon, probably before the end of August. Um, I'm really itching to work on Dowser's story. I have no idea what I'm going to call it. I'm going to have to do some research into historical romance. Um, you know, the first book is called Stepping Across the Desert, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to carry that theme. Um, we shall see the stepping theme or, you know, stepping across the vineyards. I don't know. It sounds a little weird. So we, we shall see. Um, I'm itching to start. I mean, it is started, but to continue it, I do have to check a few more things if they're possible. I think at this moment, what I'm going to do is just write them and they're all kind of side characters, you know, jobs and things like that, whether those are possible. So I think I will write and then ask questions later. <laughs> that's, that's typically how I run my life. So um, I am really excited for August. We, uh, Madison Michael and I, she is a romance author extraordinaire. We are running our first writing book descriptions that sell workshop. It is a two-part workshop, um, mostly because there's just a lot to get through. So the first part will be Wednesday, August 17th at 1 p.m. Eastern, and it is learning all about what makes a good book blurb and going through the blurbs that work and why blurbs don't work and having some question and answer time. And then the next week, um, the 24th of August at 1 p.m., we will be getting back together and going over book blurbs that people have submitted and, you know, sort of going through our reviews of them. And you can attend the workshop for $13. You can get a book blurb reviewed for $20 more. So you can attend and get one reviewed for $33 total. Um, I think it's a steal because book blurbs are very important for selling books. I mean, they are pretty key after the cover and after, you know, writing a good book. But they're kind of what gets people to actually pay the money. You know, we scroll through, um, whether it's Amazon or, um, you know, wherever you buy your books, Kobo, and you read the blurbs and you decide where you're going to spend your money. Even for free books, you know, I read the blurbs. I don't just download everything because I want to know if it's really going to be worth my time reading, if it's going to be something I like, right? So the book blurb is what will capture people's attention and really is the final push to getting them to spend their money. So they're important. And there is a bit of a science to writing them. There are some rules that you should follow. And all that being said, it's still not that easy. So <laughs> I attend workshops um, on book blurbs as much as possible. I have a couple books on them and I review them and I constantly am honing my book blurbs as well. So I will be right alongside you um, reviewing my book blurbs. We'll probably put one of mine up there and see what um, 
Madison has to say about it, what we can see. And a lot of times when we're working together as writers, we can see what needs to change, right? And it's great to collaborate together and help each other out to get these book blurbs done. So I highly encourage you to, you know, to sign up. If you can't really make it, um, if you pay the $13, you will get the recordings, um, access to both recordings where you can take notes and you can learn and you can write out your um, book blurb. If you can't attend, but you want to download it and you still want a book blurb reviewed and edited by Madison and I, you can still do that for $33. You, we will send you a link to upload your book blurb and you will get your feedback. So that is very exciting. And in the meantime, um, between that and writing, I am doing a lot of work to set up my courses for the fall. I'm very excited about them. So we have the story seedling course. Um, I kind of liked that better than the budding story. I'm thinking of like a flower, guys, <laughs> you know, like this flower growing. Um, so the story seedling course, that is for anyone who has an idea for a book to anyone who's sort of started but hasn't quite gotten, you know, everything out and is a little bit stuck on really where to take it. Um, so kind of beginner beginning part of the book. And then we're going to have the story development course, which is really for people who have gotten past the midpoint and are wanting to really make sure the last half of the book is really um, concrete, making sure the first part is concrete and really trying to understand how to go back over their manuscript before they send it out to an editor, the things that they should check for. We're going to go over scenes, um, what what kind of scenes they need, what makes a scene, dialogue. Um, there's a couple differences, um, not just on level of what we talk about in the courses, but a couple differences we're going to review a lot more in the story development course. Um, and both courses include 30 pages of your manuscript reviewed by me at the end. So those will run from the beginning of September to the beginning of November. You can find out more in the show notes below. I will have links to all of those. Today's episode is brought to you by Publisher Rocket. Do you know Publisher Rocket? It's one of my favorite tools. Publisher Rocket gives you the edge on Amazon KDP by finding profitable keywords and best-selling categories for your book. See what hungry readers search for on Amazon with Rocket, letting you optimize your seven KDP keywords for more sales. Not every keyword is effective, you know, and Rocket can show you which ones are searched for most often are less competitive and which ones earn more money. Plus, with its AMS ads feature, Rocket generates thousands of advertising keywords in seconds, which will give you profitable keywords so that your ads can make an impact. And if you're going to spend money on Amazon ads, you want them to make an impact. With Rocket, you can discover applicable hidden categories that most authors don't know about on Amazon, which will increase the chance that browsing shoppers stumble on your work and decrease your competition. Find out how many sales it takes to become a bestseller in each category, as well as how much other authors are earning off of their Amazon books every month. Not only that, but Rocket has a phenomenal support staff filled with real, experienced people to help you on your journey. 
Rocket comes with a 30-day, no questions asked guarantee, so you can try it without any risk. It has a single fee with no subscription, my favorite thing these days, so you only have to pay once for full lifetime access to all its features. New readers can only enjoy your work if they find it among the thousands of other books published every day on Amazon. Great authors deserve to be read, so don't let your book languish in obscurity. Get your book noticed with Publisher Rocket. Now guys, Publisher Rocket is one of those tools that I avoided buying for the longest time, and I highly regret it. I don't know why... I was really, really tight budgeted in the beginning, but Publisher Rocket is an amazing tool. I highly suggest you check it out. There is going to be a link below in the show notes for you to check it out. And as they say, there is a 30-day no questions asked guarantee. But more than that, they have videos on how to use it properly, tons of suggestions, They're really great over there. You can make sure that you use your keywords correctly, your categories correctly, so that your book can just bump up from, you know, wherever it is in the black hole of Amazon, right up in front of the correct reader's face so that they can find it, they can read it, they can review it, and you can keep selling more books. Check out the links below to find Publisher Rocket, find out more information. There's also going to be a link to a blog post, which will give you even more information about it below in the show notes. So as you can see, we are getting some more sponsors of the show. Publisher Rocket is the biggest sponsor for today's episode, but you as listeners are my favorite sponsors of the show. And we have moved over from Patreon over to exclusively buymeacoffee.com where you can buy me a book (laughs) as the sort of cute little way to sponsor the show. Um, There are some freebies over there at Buy Me A Coffee. There are also um, videos of the interviews. So you can not only just listen to the show, but you can listen to the interviews on the video. Um, And there will be discounts for the courses coming up and all these different little things that you can pretty much only find if you are a sponsor of the show. I really enjoy all of you guys talking to me, messaging me on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Pencils Lipstick and on Instagram at catcaldwell.author or pencils and lipstick all spelled out. You can DM me there. You can ask questions. You can get on my newsletter at catcaldwell.com and you can reach me via responding to the emails there as well. If you are a writer and you sponsor the show, let me know and I will tell people about your book. I will choose one lucky person every uh, week or so to as much as time allows to talk to people around the world about the book that you have available. So I'm excited about the fall coming and all the new things, but right now we are going to talk to Whitley Cox. She is a romance author. She's been in the business for a little bit, and it's fun to hear from people who really know what they're doing and to see where they've come from and where they are now and where they're going. So enjoy the interview. A Canadian West Coast baby, born and raised, 
Whitley is married to her high school sweetheart, and together they have two beautiful daughters and a fluffy dog. She spends her days making food that gets thrown on the floor, vacuuming Cheerios out from under the couch, and making sure that the dog food doesn't end up inside the air conditioner. But when nap time comes, and it's not quite wine o'clock, Whitley sits down, avoids the pile of laundry on the couch, and writes. A lover of all things decadent, wine, cheese, chocolate, and spicy erotic romance, Whitley brings the humorous side of sex, the ridiculous side of relationships, and the suspense of everyday life into her story. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Pencils and Lipstick. Today, I have with me Whitley Cox. She is a contemporary romance writer. Um, I love your little tagline, funny, fabulous, filthy romance. Hello, Whitley. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. I'm excited to talk to you. So you have, you write under two pen names, Whitley Cox, and then, um, I'm sorry, I've missed the last one. Natalie Sloan. Natalie Sloan. Like that, but now that sounds kind of like a detective. Is that a different genre or is that? Yes, that that is exclusively reverse harem. Okay. Reverse harem. Okay. Well, we'll have to get into that because I don't know if everyone knows what reverse harem is. But first, let's talk about Whitley Cox. So sure. she's your first pen name. Um, yes. How did you start out writing? Um, so I always wrote in school. I was always that really annoying kid that would shoot their hand up after creative writing <laughs> and want to read, annoying everybody else. Um, and then in high school, in English 12, I wrote a children's story and my um, teacher was published and she wrote up back on it. This is a publishable idea. Oh, cool. And so she helped me um, work through like tweaking it and tightening it. And then I snail mailed it off to publishers, but I was 18. I got a boyfriend and I sort of forgot about that. And I got rejection letters and that just sort of like, you know, depressed me. And so I was like, I'm not going to pursue this. But then I did an English, I started an English major in university and hated the parameters of having to write somebody else's yeah. ideas or it was very constrained. And so I switched to a psychology degree and then didn't really write. And then I got married and we went backpacking for six months and I started reading romance because that was what was on the give a take a book, give a book, take a book. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And some were great. And some were like, I was I'm like, this is complete garbage. I could write better than this. <laughs> and so I came home and I started writing. And yeah, but while we were traveling, um, we were, we were robbed. We left our our hostel, went, um, to go and exchange money, came back and like everything, a whole bunch of stuff was taken. And so I ran to the police station to go and report it. And lo and behold, um, there was two other people reporting a lost passport and they were from the exact same town that we were from. We were living in Victoria, BC at the time, and they were there too, same age as us and everything. Wow. I told them what happened and they said, come stay at our hostel. And so we became fast friends and we partied and forgot our woes. And then fast forward a few years later, I was at a girl's night at this woman's house who I met um, in Peru. And she had some other friends over and I told her that I'd started writing and just as a hobby. And her friend was like, well, my mom's friend wrote hard man to love. And she also lives in Victoria. And so I reached out to this woman, Kathleen Lawless and had coffee. And she said, you need to join the Vancouver Island romance authors. And so I did. And I met like 40 other romance authors and they were like, 
you need to self-publish. You have, because at that point I'd written like four or five books and they're like, you need to self-publish. This is how you do it. And they just sort of, Oh my gosh. That's how it started. So where were those five books? Were you just writing for your own enjoyment? Yeah. They were just sitting on my computer. Oh my gosh. So you hadn't thought like, was it because of the experience of the rejection letters that you were just like, I'm not sure if I want to even publish these? I thought I was going to go traditional and I was like, oh, well, if I get a bunch of books all in my backlog, then it'll be like more appealing to publishers. And they're like, no, 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 no. Take all the money for yourself, self-publish. And I was like, okay. And so I did. (laughs) But I mean, you already have a backlog. So literally what a good idea though. I mean. That that's thinking way ahead <laughs> than I was thinking. At the time. <laughs> um, so, how long did it take you to? Well, let's back up first. You met this woman. Um, so you, she's an author, and you just decided to have coffee with her just to see like how she writes or like what you could pursue, or just like, hey, you're another writer. I want to talk to you. Yeah, because I was. Uh, I just had my first baby, and I was feeling very isolated and I didn't know if I wanted to go back to work. I was working with, um, as an intervention therapist with children on a spectrum. And I was like, I do not know if I can go back and do this and do the job effectively and then come home and be an effective mom. I don't know what I want to do, but I'm really enjoying writing. I'm going to find like-minded people and just pick their brains and see what happens. And so I just emailed her and reached out and she we're still very very close like she's like a second mom to me now and Uh, yeah how how was it then to join this group I mean there's lots of groups out there but and I know we're all like still coming out of COVID but but being in a group with like physically with other writers how did that help or maybe not help (laughs) your writing super intimidating at first because there was also a significant age gap. Most of these women are old enough to my mom. Yes. (laughs) And so um, it was very intimidating at first. And then I started publishing and I started figuring out the industry and then I became president. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So I was president for two years and now I'm one of the more, um, published authors in the group and there's there's still a bit of an age that like age discrepancy but I'm not the only one of my generation (laughs) yeah anymore yeah so did they did they know like they knew about self-publishing then um yeah did they help you a little bit in just like reading your stuff like how was that the first time that you handed Um, them something most so I didn't uh, this is how new I was. I didn't know I wrote a ro- erotic romance. I thought I was writing straight up erotica. And that's what I came in saying. And they were all like, whoa, because a lot of them wrote like really sweet stuff. And were like, good for you, but um, not my cup of tea. And so I was like, feel- and like, everybody's like, our critique group was full. And so I was like, feeling really sad. And then another author is like, no, 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 no. You have a happy ending. You have a plot. You can pull the sex out and there'd still be a story. You write erotic romance. That's big time different. And I was like, oh. Okay. So what is the difference between erotica and erotic romance? So erotic romance is there's a happily ever after. There's a plot. You could pull the sex out and there'd still be a story. Okay. Erotica is just straight up sex. You pull the sex out and there's no story. And, there's and, there, no- doesn't- <laughs> and there doesn't have to be a happily ever after. Really? <laughs> yeah. So it could be like 
So it's basically, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like a woman cheats on her husband and then she leaves her husband for the guy she cheated on. And yeah, and, that's and it. And the ending's like, eh, okay. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Gosh. All right. So you write Rome. So there is a plot. There is a story behind it, but it's not closed door, I guess. I, I, maybe I'm just old school. I used to be in this. Um, when I figured out that I had written a romance, I joined the like library group. And yes, the age gap was significant. I think I, I think the oldest lady was like 50 years older than me. <laughs> you know? um, so they called it like closed door halfway open and open door like that was there there's no door there's no door, there is no, door. <laughs> no door no. it's not always the bedroom that's the problem no, no there's no door yeah oh uh, so how is it to to write those scenes like sometimes so i have a writing group in which one woman um madison michael does it she's always like i can't write the the sex scenes when we're sprinting together i just can't do <laughs> she'll put like an x on the page and then come back to it um do you like did was that did that come easily to you uh, when you started writing um or it did it's it's exhausting to write (laughs) it's exhausting your poor husband you're like no I've had enough today he's like oh I know a lot of authors who, who hate writing them um and I don't dislike them but I do find them exhausting. That's interesting. Is it because you have to make something new up or? Yeah. And also you're just like, you want to make sure that you hit all the senses and explain enough that people can like get turned on, but also not get too graphic. Yeah. And you don't want to spread, like go on too long because you don't want people to skim because if the sex scenes are like, four pages long people are going to skim they're like okay they're doing it like how many physicians do we need here so that sounds really technical i had no idea <laughs> yeah like a choreo it's some choreographing things yeah oh my gosh all right so be there that's not gonna work gotta put your leg down <laughs> like yeah. honey come here we have to try this thing otherwise oh all the time he's like go write something and come back and <laughs> Yes, there's nothing worse than reading a book and being like, that's not possible. <laughs> like, like, I was reading one, you know, when Kindle came out and it was mostly romance that was on KU back in, and we're talking like I'm dating myself, like 2012, 2011, whenever mm-hmm. that was. And there was no, well, at least as far as I knew, there was no way to like judge what it was, you know, no. what kind of romance it was. And so you would get anything from sweet to erotic romance. And there were some, I was like, that's, I just, can't think that that would be comfortable. <laughs> I don't oh, know. They're all contortionists. Yes, yeah. yes. They're all very flexible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so besides the erotic moments, you have like a whole page of the tropes mm-hmm. that you use. Um, can you explain to people what a trope is, what a trope is for romance, especially, and then like maybe your favorite? Right. So like a trope is like a well-known um, tip, typical what you would like. So people are drawn to like secret baby. That's mm-hmm. very common in um, romance or surprise pregnancy, billionaire, um, military. I mean, yes, military is also a genre, but it can also be classified as a trope. Mm-hmm. It's just um, 
all the very like common um sought after like styles or like niches it down yeah. right like i niches. want a romance yeah. with somebody in uniform and then you go yeah <laughs> exactly yeah exactly so and um i was part of this like uh beta project where another author drew and a whole bunch of other authors and put up a website and everything was classified by trope and it was a great idea, but there was just too many of us. And so it was very, very hard to be found. And uh, so I'm like, so I pulled out of that after a year because it just wasn't worth my money. And so then I'm like, well, I'm just going to put it on my own website. Like that way people can know what kind of books they're getting if they're interested in a specific. Trope. I think it's a great idea, honestly, because <laughs> just because you write contemporary romances I mean that all of them are the same right so no um so are there different tropes within the same series or like how does that work for your books yeah so my best-selling series and the one that sort of catapulted me from hobbyist to this is my career now let's buy a house was um the single dads of Seattle so that's a 10 book series oh. and that one has been picked up by a German publisher and an Italian publisher. Um, and then, and within that is like, they're all single dads, but then like one is ex-military, he's ex-Navy or former Navy SEAL. So there's some romantic or some suspense in that. And they all have very like comedic elements. So you could consider them rom-coms. Um, and then like one is their neighbors. And so that's neighbors to lovers. And so there's like tropes within the trope of single okay. dads. Oh, yeah, I really like that. So that doesn't really, as a writer, it, it allows you to have a lot more parameters to work with. And so you have like, okay, they're all single, but then you don't have to follow the same trope for all of them, which is probably nice for the reader as well. It's not the same. All the yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some, obviously some <laughs> readers have their favorites and some, mm -hmm. you know, are like, oh, I didn't care for that one because it was more suspenseful or whatever. But it's like, well, then skip that book. There's 10 books. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. So you, yeah. you said that that was the book that really pushed you into this category, full-time writer, we'll say. Um, yeah. What, in what sequence did that go to? So like you, when you showed up at this, this group and you haven't published anything, you had five books. Mm -hmm. um, so as you're, take us through like how you started self-publishing and then like um, when the single dads of Seattle like what book number <laughs> that came out of? I can't really remember what book number in my, how many I've written book one was. Um, I think, but I think it came out in 2018. I started publishing in 2017. So maybe it was 2019. No, it was 2019 that the first single dad book came out. Okay. And it just started doing really well. I released very, all 10 very quickly. Oh. Um, then Within a year of each other, all ten came out. Oh my um, gosh! I bet I, I I wrote like four before I released any of them. Okay, so that way I could rapidly release them. Um, and then I was picked up by the German publisher for that. They she, yeah, she the my contact there read this first one and loved it, and just they contacted me and asked for the rights to all ten. So um, you didn't pursue that. They somehow found you. Yeah, they found me and offered me advances for all of them. And now they've purchased 30 of my books. So I just but, basically had to say, look, I wrote this book. You want it? And she's like, yep. 
Oh my goodness. So when you started publishing in 2017, and just so everyone knows, there are certain genres that that really get picked up really easily. So thriller and romance, if you write those, you're like, (laughs) it's good. And you write series. So did you know about writing series when you started publishing? Um, Like, how much did you know? And how much just sort of, like, how much did you purposely make happen in your career? And how much just sort of happened like the, the German publisher? Um, I, my first five books were part of a series. Okay. Um, yeah, that I still, that I still haven't finished. It's a, it's a not, it's a 10 book series. And the last two, I'm just like, I just can't get there yet. It's just not in my head yet. Um, so it's just sort of like dangling, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I started writing series because I knew I know that series in general are more successful than standalones. I do have a few standalones. However, every single book in that Whitley Cox has ever written is connected. Okay. So it's all in the same world. Um, every like so all of a sudden you'll be reading it and somebody from another book will pop in. Like Oh fun. Yeah. So I all everything is connected. All my series are connected. All my standalones are connected to my series. So it's all um yeah, interconnected. It's a it's a it's one world. And did you do that on purpose? Th- yeah. Okay. And was yeah. that still thinking like if the if a traditional publisher comes, um, it's sort of easier to sell, or was it just like what you like to write? Um, I love Easter eggs in books. Um, like I read all the Outlander books and then I was like looking for something else that was very similar to Outlander. And, uh, there's a series, um, by Sarah Donaty and I read the entire series because I was promised that there would be a mention, uh, just a mention of meeting the couple from Outlander, Claire and Jamie. And, I, and when it happened, I was like, oh my God, like, cause I was just like a crossover. And so I'm like, I'm going to do crossovers because if people like me, if there's more people like me who get excited, like yeah. what's that going to, what's that going to do? So yeah. I do it all the time. Yeah. Okay. I do all the time. Oh, that's really, I, I love that idea. I hadn't thought of that before. Um, so do you think that that helps you then like, Staying in that same world, does it help you in writing quicker, I guess, where you like you don't really have to set up the world again and a lot of times I don't know, does it help you at all? <laughs> or does it not really um, help? It you? does. I mean, I'm terrible at keeping Bibles. And so like I'm constantly like having to bring up my manuscripts of finished books, being like, what was this eye color again? Because <laughs> I'm bringing them back. And so um You need an intern. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do have an assistant, but I haven't given her that task yet. That's a big um, task. <laughs> it's a great me a Bible. Um, but uh, so like, because I have several military books, I, if anybody needs a seal or security, I bring in those guys. Right. In my books because I'm like, well, I already have these guys on staff. So I might as well just bring them in. So yeah. sort of, I mean, sometimes I'll create new guys. I'm like, oh, now you're going to get a book. But then, then that just adds to my to be written pile. I'm like, I need to stop doing this because like, my to be written pile is almost as long as my to be read pile. So, <laughs> yeah. Do you do you think of the guy first or the girl first? Um, it depends. Okay, it depends. Yeah. So yeah. so some um some series are based on the male and some are based on the female. Oh, you do yeah. you have single moms of Seattle as well. Yeah, that's a tri- spinoff trilogy from the single dad. So um. One of the sister, so one of the heroines and the single dads, uh, she has a sister and she starts, she's also 
a single parent and sees like the single dads of, a, of an organization because it's they're a group of 10 dads that play poker every Saturday night. Okay. Um, and so she's like, I'm going to make one for single moms and we're just going to drink wine and bitch about our kids and the fact that we're not having sex. And so then she starts that. Oh, nice. I love that. Yeah. Uh, why did you choose Seattle? Do you know the city? Do you- well, because I'm in the Pacific Northwest. So I'm like, I can just same weather. And I've been to Seattle before and I'm like, I can't pick something like Nebraska where I've never been and then get called out continuously. And so I'm like, I'm just going to stay, but having something set in the States versus Canada sells better. And really? So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. That's I so- do have books set in Canada and they don't sell, sell nearly, nearly as well. So yeah. That's so interesting. Well, I was thinking more like Vancouver Island's too small. Like people would start thinking that you're writing about them just under another different name. I, I do have a series set on Vancouver Island. Like my, my Hardy Boys, my military series is. And I mean, it still sells well, but single dads of Seattle sell them out of the water. Yeah. That is so interesting. I've heard too, like Joanna Penn spells like American spelling. Um, mm-hmm. Just because otherwise she'll get emails from American. Me too. Yep. Yeah, I do American spelling. Yep. Come on, guys. There are different spellings. It's so funny. Oh my gosh. All right. So when you started writing, but the single dads of Seattle, those weren't the first five books that you had when you showed up at the, okay. Uh, what, what books were those? The dark and damaged hearts. Okay. Series. Yeah. All right. I'm looking at your series here. All right. And so you, did you bring those out right away? Like, did you know about um, rapid release and you brought those out pretty quickly? Yeah. I rapid released those one a month for several months. And then, um, and I how much work was that to just like rapid release? A lot because I had to find an editor and the first editor was a dud mm-hmm. and I had to find a cover artist and the covers are fine, but I have since found a new editor. I've gone through a couple and my yeah. new editor is fabulous. And uh, I found a new cover artist and everything. So I've learned so much yes. since I first published through now. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I think that part we always think is going to be quick because the book is done. Why wouldn't it be quick? Somehow it's not. I don't understand. <laughs> and I'm not good at selling myself. So the social media and like pimping aspect has been one of the biggest learning curves. Yeah. <laughs> so when you like first published, did you have a launch plan? Like did the these women tell you about this launch plan or did you just like put them up and yeah. you're done? <laughs> I put them up and I just crossed my fingers because as as helpful and as supportive as everyone was, nobody wrote what I wrote. Mm. So we had like historical romance and cowboy and everything else. And some of them were like very, very established. And they got in in 2012 and 2013 when yeah. the market was very different. And, you know, they made their 90 grand in a month on a book bub deal. And then, so they're like, I don't know how to do it now. I have like four assistants. And so I was like, all right, well, thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> See what I can do on my own then. <laughs> Yes, that is a really big point though um for anyone listening like the 2012 people when if you, if you got in at that KU point especially with romance like I could kick myself for not getting on that bandwagon with just with a pen name or something um and just learning that process but yeah things have changed like getting a book bub deal it's great it's expensive but you're mm-hmm. not going to make 90,000 a month anymore the market is saturated so 
you came in like 2017. That's really like the market is already pretty saturated at that point. So did you do KU? I didn't at first. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go wide. I, I read from a Kobo. I'm going to go wide. I just wasn't making anything. And then finally yeah. I was like, I'm just going to suck it up and sell my soul to the devil and go into KU because I need to make money. Yeah. And so I did. And um, my best selling series are still in KU. I've pulled my billionaire series and my dark and damaged hearts and they are now wide again. Okay. Yeah, there's there's like a gap. I love Kobo. I love working with them. Um, I love their promotions. I love how easy they are. But there's like a gap between Kobo and Amazon still. Oh, yeah. And those romance readers, they want their KU books. Oh, I and mean, it is cheaper for them, right? So you can't really blame them. It is. And I have a KU subscription too. And I mean, the amount of times, like, because I have Facebook ads running, the amount of times somebody's like, oh, this isn't in KU, like, actually writes a comment on the ad. I'm just like, it was for years. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We can't do everything for you. No. So as, as you um as you came out with those those rapid release books, and then you must have seen some success to see it like to keep writing and to keep pursuing this as or or was it still just writing for pleasure? The success came from the reviews. The success okay. is not financial. Like I wasn't making any the money. Okay. Um, the success came from the reviews. The reviews are what kept me going. Like people really enjoyed my books and like um I created a really solid art team very quickly. Okay. Um, even though it was only like 20 people, they were just like, We love your stuff, whatever you want to write, just give it to us. And I was like, Okay, there's at least 20 people who like my stuff. Yeah. And maybe those 20 people each go tell a friend, and that's 40, and those people tell a friend, and you know, right. them up to 100. And so that was what motivated me to keep writing. And also just because I enjoyed it and it was an outlet, and it because I didn't know if I wanted to go back to work. Um because we get a year long maternity here in Canada. And so I was able to um, like stay home with my daughter and um, yeah. And then I just, it's sort of just, I actually finally started making money. So after a year only you may. No, I mean, I wasn't, I still, my husband who runs my books will tell you that it took longer than that. (laughs) But we had a, always cut in there. We had an agreement that if I got 10 grand in the hole, I had to go get a job. Okay. And so and what counted as in the hole? Like, like ads? So Everything. we would like any ads, any editing fees, any cover fees. And so if I got 10 grand in the red, I had to go get a job. And so that was really motivating for me to keep writing and try to break even on my books and then eventually get in the black. And then I started dabbling in Facebook ads and they were doing okay. And then I finally hired a company to run my Facebook ads. And that's what sort of took me from, you know, the thousand dollars a month to the 4,000 to the 12 and beyond. So, so yeah. as far as Facebook ads go, what, like you were making a little bit of money, but you decided to, to hire a company because those are pretty expensive. So at what point would you tell someone to maybe, what made you start considering it, I guess? When you have enough of a backlist that the sell-through is going to happen because okay. you can't do Facebook ads when you only have one or two books. Like that's like my like my co-write partner and I, because I'm co-writing a small town series. We've been like 
discussing when do we start running ads on the book because we only have one book out right now and book two comes out in a couple of weeks. And it's like, when do we want to start running ads? Because if you're spending five or $10 a day, you want to make sure you make that back. But if you only have one book, they buy it and then your sales drop off, which is why I have that 10 book series. And so I don't make my money. I, I do make my money back, but I more break even with what I'm spending on my ads with book one, but I don't really care because I've got nine more books for them to, oh, read, that's, to make money on. Right. That's something to consider. If you break even selling one book, maybe it gets your name up there, but you're not, you're not making money. You want the sell through. You need that backlist. So, I mean, I recommend at least three books before you start running any kind of ads. Okay. All right. That, that makes sense. Um, so you're actually co-writing a book as well. How is, how is that going? Is how different is that than writing on your own? Um, it's really fun. So my co-write partner and I are the exact same age and we both have two kids. Um, she's got two boys. I've got two girls. Um, she lives in Ohio, so we've never actually met in person, oh, but we video chat like once a week. Um, her husband is Argentinian and they run an Argentinian food truck. Ooh, fun. Yeah. And so, um, she, a few years ago, she posted in her reader group, what would you guys like to see from me next? And I wrote, co-write a series with me. And so it just like snowballed. We've been working on this since 2019, but then she, the pandemic hit and she went and had another baby. And so it's just, we're just doing this at her pace, which is fine because I have other books to write and release and it's not a yeah. big deal. Um, and so we built this small town and so we write dual POV. So we each pick a character. She, for the first two books, she's written the heroine and I've written the hero. Okay. And for the third book, we're swapping. Oh my gosh. Okay. So do you know, I guess, do you guys have it outlined? Do you kind of know yeah. what's going to happen? But then whatever he says or she says, you don't totally no, right? Like <laughs> well, we have we have it outlined really well. Like okay. we have some outline programs because she we the first book we didn't outline and that was a total disaster. It was so many rewrites. Right. And so the second book we outlined we but we weren't thorough about it. And so we had to go back and do a bunch of rewrites. And then with the third book we're like, damn it, let's just like outline the crap out of it to the point where we have like quotes of what we want them to say. Right. Of in certain situations. And then we'll see how this one goes. So yeah, because there's two different brains seeing, <clears throat> excuse me, seeing that this story. Like, um, that's really interesting. You guys haven't even met. <laughs> that's amazing. We're meeting in November. Yeah, we're okay. I'm flying down there. Yeah, I'm flying down there because we're doing um, Ram Romance Authors Mastermind virtually together. So I'm going to fly down there, and we're going to get an Airbnb, and she's going to cook for me. And nice. I know. I know. I'm like, dude, you've been like waving this black bean burger in my face for years. You need to make it. And so, yeah, we're going to go down. I'm going to go down there and we're finally going to meet in person. Oh my gosh. That sounds like so much fun. Um, So you, you write contemporary erotic romance. You write small town. Like, is this sweet romance that you're writing with her? No, no, no. Erotic as well. Erotic as well. Okay. Just very small town, very quirky. It's three brothers who are estranged from themselves, from each other and their dad. And then all of a sudden they're all called to this town. Um, their last name is Winters and they're called to Winter Harbor, which is set. It's a fictitious town set on the coast of Oregon. And they're called to Winter Harbor and they realize the town was founded by their family. And the, ta- the town hates their family oh. because of what their dad and their grandfather did. And so in order to get their inheritance, which is like 
tons of money and tons of like land and businesses and everything. All three have to live in this dilapidated family mansion for a year in order to get their inheritance. And it's like their fought their dead father's last ditch effort for the sons to like come together and that's get along. an amazing yeah. premise though. I love, I love that. That is really great because you're gonna have like a lot of heat with people hating them. So yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. Quirky, quirky small town people. Everything is closed on a Tuesday for some random reason and it pisses these like big city boys off. They're like, I went to the hardware store and it was closed. Why on a Tuesday? And like super like in 1812, we closed on Tuesday. Exactly. Yeah. So each brother finds love and there's like brother reconciliation and there's a family mystery and like, yeah. Oh, fun. That's, that is super fun. And then you've also written for anthologies. So can, can we talk a little bit about anthologies? Like whether, um, what they are, I guess, for writers out there, what they, what you have to do for them, I guess, and when or if you recommend them at all. Um, so I started uh, writing in box sets in, I guess, 20, 2017. I ended up joining a list aiming one. So that one has a very high buy-in. So mm. the buy-in is you put money out first, and then that money is used for the cover, for the formatting, for all the ads and promotion and you're trying to get USA Today or New York Times bestselling for the set. And that okay. way all the authors in the set can put Whitley Cox, USA Today bestseller or whatever. So you, yeah. it's called, yeah. I mean, I know you know what it is, but I yes. know people are listening and don't necessarily which, know. So. Which, by the way, I think they've changed those rules now. <laughs> yeah, they have. But so, it was a great thing to do five years ago. So you oh, can then yeah, say USA Today bestseller. And yeah, I mean, it calls to the reader right it, it's yeah. helpful that said didn't make you a <laughs> <Sense>. oh, bummer <laughs> and then I joined the same coordinator I joined three other um box sets that were just more for um exposure and money okay. and I know that some people have had great success with box sets maybe it was this coordinator but I had some really bad experiences and it made me really gun shy for several years so that and I didn't join anything and then but I really like collaborating with people and working with people and that was how I found my co-write partner was we were in a a boxer an anthology together and I'm like I'm like I really want to you know start establishing more relationships with authors again because I was sort of feeling isolated again because of the pandemic and just being stuck at home with kids I'm like I want to you know find people again and so I joined two more and one was a charity anthology this year and I just and it was only short stories it was like 10,000 words which is a what I think differentiates anthologies from box sets box sets they are full length books or novellas and okay. anthologies are short stories I, I can't remember I don't know why now we're all I using an anthology versus box set but anyway um <laughs> Technically, Where? technically, there should be a difference, but I just but, roll with it. I'm like, okay, anthology, sure, whatever. But do you have to write a new story for a box set or an anthology? You can't just add in a story you already have published. No, yeah, I always okay. add in a new story. Okay. I was told that the best thing to do is write is um submit book one of a series in the anthology because then people get hooked and they can go and read other things. I always submit standalones because 
I'm just like, well, I don't like my book being stuck in a, yeah. an anthology for three months, which is probably, which was probably um, not a good idea on my part, but whatever, live and learn. That was a lesson. And so with the book that I included in the charity anthology, it was only supposed to be 10,000 words and I just couldn't stay there. And it ended up being 70. And <laughs> I know, I know I'm, I'm terrible. And so I'm like, I gotta find a place where I can like cut this off and like make it a happily for now. And then, and so I did that. And so the rest of the book comes out in September when it comes out of the anthology and it's a, it's a standalone, but it's a spinoff from the single moms of Seattle. So the last book of the single moms of Seattle, um, there's a younger woman, she's like 21 and my heroine helps her. And so now she gets her own book because everybody's like, she's got such an interesting story. She needs a book. And I was like, yes, she does. And everybody's like, those women are going gaga about men in gray sweatpants, right? Like gray sweatpants are the lingerie for men. I'm like, is there a book that has something about gray sweatpants in the title? No, there's not. So that's why I'm going to call it Mr. Gray Sweatpants because women love men in gray sweatpants. Oh my gosh, that is perfect. Oh, I love that. Okay. So that is your, that's coming out in September because you have to wait yeah. until that short story, I guess, comes out. So yeah. how it, how is it to write within the parameters of an anthology? Do they give you rules? I mean, besides the 10,000 words, um, do you um, find that liberating or like interesting, at least as a writer? I mean, you know, you usually know what you're getting into. Like there's romantic suspense anthologies or box sets. There's like Christmas ones. There's um, the first one I was ever in was called was um, all vacation. Mm. And so it just had to be within those parameters. And then they have a heat level. And so some are like minimum three, you know, three chili peppers. So open door, you don't have to be explicit or maximum three, like all different. And then sometimes you have to say, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) What is your version of chili peppers versus my chili peppers? Right. Are our chili peppers the same heat? What generation are you, please? (laughs) Your pepper's going to burn my tongue? (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I make sure that I join anthologies and box sets that aren't too constraining because I don't like being... um, given God, too many guidelines. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it will sort of like, it will break up your idea of, of writing within the same world, right? Like that would be a completely different thing, I guess, a completely different book. And that's not really what your, your vision is, I guess, for, exactly. for Whitley yeah. Cox. Okay. That, I mean, I think, um, it's it's interesting though, like it can take you away if you don't find something that fits you and fits your vision. It can take you away from writing the books that are in your to write pile, correct? Yep. <laughs> so there's always sort of that idea of like how much will it help you or how much will it hinder if it takes you away from writing. So I guess that's just an individual decision you have to make each time. Yeah. And I mean, the anthologies don't live forever. They usually have a three month life. <clears throat> and so now I am a, I'm of the mindset, I'm going to write what I want to write and then figure out put, and then release it on my own once the three months is up and work it into a series. And so I'm in a Christmas anthology that comes out in November and that book is part of a series. So the first book in the series comes out in October okay. and the second book 
will come out in the anthology and then the third and fourth books will come out later next year or whatever. And it's about four sisters and those sisters are actually a spinoff from another series. And for my Hardy boys, I wrote the, the last book, the heroine is a doctor and she has four younger sisters and her youngest sister is sent out to stay with her by her parents because she's too wild and she's 17 and decide and like, it's like, Oh, I'm going to go meet with this social media influencer who can make me a model. And then she like takes off and then gets kidnapped. And so, but my care, my readers loved her, like loved her. My reviews say, when are we getting Rayma's book? Rayma's amazing. Cause she's sassy. She says what she wants to say. And so like everybody asked for her book. I'm like, okay, fine. I need to give this woman a book. <laughs> and so her book comes out in, um, in October. And then I'm like, okay, well, there's four sisters. This is a no brainer. I'm going to give each sister a book. Right. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So how you, you write so much. Can Mm -hmm. you tell us like what your writing routine is? And I I also want to get to your next pen name. You have so many books coming out. I'm trying to find the page for all these books. So you have the Bastard Air came out this year. How many came mm-hmm. out this year? The Bastard oh. Air came out this year. Rock the Shores came out this year. Um, Mr. Gray Sweatpants comes out in September. But then somehow I've gotten lost. You have like two others that also come out. Or um, three. Uh, so Bastard, Love to Hate You came out in um, March. That was, a, that's a standalone. I wrote that one in NaNoWriMo in November. NaNoWriMo, for those who don't know, is National Novel Writing Month, where you try to write a 50,000-word book in 30 days. Um, and that doesn't sound I, like it's a hard thing for you to do. That I wrote like... 40,000 words oh in 30 God. days. <laughs> how do you do this? How do you, do, how do you get all those words done? Uh, my oldest is in school now, and my youngest is in preschool. And so... And preschool is um, three days a week. It's nine to two and Tuesday, Thursday, it's nine to 1130. And so I write when she's when they're in school and then um, I write on the weekends too. And I'm just, I'm very prolific. I write very fast. So do you, um, do you know what's going to happen in the books then? Do you outline, is that in your head or is it? it, It's in my head. Like I have an outline for the book I'm writing right now and I'm not sticking to it at all, but it at least just like, keeps the ideas flowing yes. and like I'm constantly like writing down like what I need what needs to happen and reminders and everything um I and for my single dads I like to outline on poster board and so I like have a big poster board and I divide it into all the series and then I do like little plot points and like character um personalities and like physical description and so I just refer back to my poster board and yeah so yeah I I outline sort of. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it it's a it keeps you like somehow on track, but b like it gets out at least the seed of the story. And a lot of times, the seed is not what the full story will be. It might change a lot, but like it helps you to then not have to write the forty thousand words of that seed and then just scrap it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Start over again. So, and this is all things we learn as we write. Yes. Um, so do you exclusively write when the kids are at school? Like you don't do any mom work, you don't do any housework, or you try at least? 
Um, I, I sometimes go to the gym, um, but usually I do the gym in the evenings, but, um, I, sometimes I would go to the gym for yoga. Um, but, uh, when I'm like on, I set my own deadlines, but when I'm on deadline, I'm like, okay, I got to get this done. And I, I write. And now this summer we just bought a house in June. Um, and so this summer has been like chaotic, but yeah. now we have a yard and I'm like, get out in the yard, I'm writing. And so... <laughs> But it's been so hot. They're like, can we just play downstairs? I'm like, yeah, but leave me alone. <laughs> yes. Tablets. I don't care. Just just yeah. please. Yes. Yeah. I think that <clears throat> one of the biggest things for writers is like that concentration, taking that time, right? So like your social media and your newsletter and all that stuff, do you do that at a completely different time? Like, do you have specifically, this is book writing time um, versus I the other writing we have to have? <laughs> I try. I have an assistant now, thank God, because social media just gives me anxiety. And so I'm like, can you do my graphics and like schedule all that stuff for me and make my TikTok videos because I hate TikTok. <laughs> and so she does that for me. I do my newsletter because it's very personal and I mm-hmm. write self like little anecdotes and I include pictures of like what's going on and, and stuff like that. And so I. Which takes time. It but, does. Yeah. yeah. But I think it makes the difference. Um, about being connected to your readers and stuff like that versus like just having somebody else do it and they don't put that personal touch. Right. Um, and so I, the mind, the mindless stuff, um, like the newsletters I will do, I'll try to do in the evening. So I like, okay, my office is downstairs. So I'll bring my laptop upstairs and my husband and I, once we like settle down for the evening to veg on the couch for like an hour and a half before we go to bed. I'll we'll put the TV on and I'll like do my newsletter and like fiddle with stuff like that. So okay. that's kind of when I try to do it. So you do yeah. try to separate out. This is book writing time. This is all the other. Doesn't always work. Sometimes yes. I'm like, oh crap, a newsletter. I'm like, okay, I'm like I forgot about that. It comes out tomorrow, so like do it. When oh I was yes, yeah. Well, oh, or, yeah. Or like me yesterday. Oh, today's Thursday. Yes, at two o'clock. Wait. <laughs> oh, yes, it happens. It happens. So, oh, yeah. when did you start writing another pen name? Because as if you didn't have enough things to do, <laughs> you um, started writing under Natalie Sloan, which is a great, great name, by the way. Well, so um, my, when we had my our first daughter, Natalie was like one of the two top choice names, and. Then she was born and she just didn't look like Natalie. I still love the name. And then I, and her, her name is Grace. And she was just like farting and pooping everywhere. I'm like, you're, and you're, if you're like me, you're going to be super klutzy. You need some grace in your life. You are Grace. She just looked <laughs> like Grace. And then I got super fixated on one syllable names. I'm like, second child needs to have a one syllable name too. And so Natalie was out of the picture. And so we named her Claire. And I'm like, I still want Natalie in my life somehow. No more babies. No more babies. No, no, no. <laughs> Even though I did tell them yesterday when they, or the other day when they were fighting, I'm like, kill each other. I don't care. I'll just make more babies. <laughs> we like to do this every once in a while where we go out for dinner and we're like, we have news. And they're like, no, we don't believe you anymore. You've done it too many times. Wait, really? <laughs> I mean, you have. Three. Okay. They're all scared. <laughs> My husband snipped, so the girls don't know that, though, because they don't know what that Oh, no, means. don't tell them. You need to no. be able to scare them. So I have only girls as well, so we always threaten that we're going to get a boy. Oh, they want more. They want more. <laughs> well, they're at like, that age. Okay. My done. Like, they're seven and four. I'm like, no, no, no. 
We're done. See, mine are teenagers. They'd be like, you're going to ruin my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to babysit. All right. Anyway, anyway, back to Natalie. So you decided to create Natalie for yourself. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And Sloan just was a really cool last name. I'm like, yeah, it oh, is. Um, <laughs> it sounds horrible to say. So my grandma died. And <laughs> this is a couple of years ago. It's fine. <laughs> I loved her. She was old. It's fine. And so my dad and my uncle, who were the executors, were having a um, big yard sale at their property, at my grandma and grandpa's property. And we're selling off everything. And they asked me to come up and like man the cash register. Mm-hmm. And so... I drove, it was like four hour drive and I drove up at, on the Canada Thanksgiving weekend, which is the second weekend in October. And it was a four hour drive. And all of a sudden this plot for a series just hit me in the head and it just wouldn't leave. And it was reverse harem, which is one woman and multiple men. And I really love dystopian post-apocalyptic stuff, like yeah. Hunger Games, Divergent, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if there's any of those out there. What if there was like this huge like virus that ransacked the world, but it took out more of the female population than it did the male population. And so we so, get all these men. So we get all these men. I was like, somebody's got to write this. I guess it's me. And so, but I'm like, I, I want to keep them separate. Whitley Cox will okay. always be male, female, contemporary. And right. Natalie Sloan will only ever be reverse harem and so the f- these books are long the, really oh the first ones that came out in july this month is like one hundred and forty thousand words 135 and i'm i'm on book two right now and i'm already at ninety five thousand. and my editor's wow. like when you get this to me and i was like i don't know oh my well, i mean so they're mostly i mean they're reverse harem but they're very much a dystopian thriller type because yeah, I wrote a that long. torture scene yesterday that I had to actually email my editor being like, are you going to be okay with this? Oh my goodness, so <laughs> very different. Good good idea to get a different pen name then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. Um, as far as like the virus thing, have has it been selling well? Are people like um, adverse so to I, the virus? <laughs> I, I say that it is like Hunger Games meets Divergent meets The Handmaid's Tale meets YouPorn because it's group sex it's four people having sex um it's so the reviews have been great okay however okay. they're like a lot of people are like it's very scary because like this is actually happening yes yes because one of my close um friends is a climate specialist and worked for environment canada and now she has moved to New Zealand with her husband and now works for um, Environment New Zealand. But I went to her. I'm like, so 300 years from now, what's going to happen? And she's like, well, this is all going to be underwater. And I was like, okay. And she's like, anything basically like below like 30 feet or whatever, 40 feet is going to be underwater. So all these like cabins and islands and everything, everything's going to be underwater. going to be floating around down there. Fish are going to be dead. Like, you know, no bees. You know, I was like, okay then. How are we going to eat? I know. <laughs> we won't. We won't be around. It'll be fine. Nope. Nope. So, I mean, I took some creative liberties, obviously. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I I changed the geography of, like, the land because of cool. the rising sea levels and everything. I made everything hotter. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds mm-hmm. amazing. So, is this going to be a long series? I mean, they're long books, so. 
Uh, it's a trilogy right now. Okay. Um, and I think I might keep it as that. Um, and I want to write other like reverse harem, like on my double and paranormal. So yeah, Natalie Sloan will only ever be reverse harem and I will never have a person on her cover. So it's just flames and fire on the, the covers of these three books. And then I might do like flowers or like, you know, a, a dripping in blood rose or something like yeah. that. But just to keep them very, very distinct. I'm very transparent about being both. It's like, I've built this street cred as Whitley Cox. Might as well ride my own coattails. Yes. <laughs> um, because some people like to cross genres. Other people don't. Like I've had some of my very loyal Whitley Cox readers say, I'm not, I'm sorry, this is not my jam. I don't like reverse harem. I don't like dystopian. I'm like, dude, whatever. That's right. <laughs> like, I get it. I don't like certain tropes either. So right. Or genres, I'm fine with that. But there is such a huge reverse harem and dark reverse harem readership out there that I'm like, I want these people to buy my books. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I it's becoming bigger and bigger. I mean, it was probably big within the romance community already, but it, it's gotten out of the romance community now to the point where everyone's like, What is this? What is this? So that's when you know you've really made it like, you know, if other people outside of romance readers want want those books. Yeah. It is time to write those books. So do you work on two books at the same time? Like a Natalie Sloan and a Whitley Cox? Um, only when I'm co-writing. So I'll, okay. I'll write my Natalie Sloan. And then when my co-write partner sends, finishes her, um, her chapter, then send it to me and then I'll write, but I don't have one of my own Whitley Cox books and a Natalie Sloan book going on at the same time. All right. You try to keep it focused. All right. That's very good. So what is, let's see, I found the list again. (laughs) (laughs) August 16th, the asshole air is coming out. I love it. Okay. The bastard air is the winter harbor. Is that the first one? So these are the guys that have to live in a dilapidated mansion. Uh, I'm going to have to probably read this. And then the asshole air is the second one. Okay, so that one comes out in two weeks yeah. as far as when this this episode gets published. All right. And then Mr. Gray Sweatpants comes September 10th. Mm-hmm. And then Rayma's story comes out in October. Oh, my gosh. You're amazing. You are very prolific. So <laughs> if anyone needs something to read, you have at least 40 books. Probably by the time they get done with one book, you'll have more. Um, so where can people find you and your books um, and sign up for your newsletter and all that? Um, my website, so WhitleyCox.com or NatalieSloan.com. Um, Instagram um, as WhitleyCox or its username is at Cox Whitley. Um, and then uh, my billionaires and my dark and damaged hearts are wide. They're on Radish, and uh, which is the serial app. So okay. you pay per episode. Um, so I've broken the series down into episodes and it's sort of like a TV show, but for reading. Okay. Um, and then they're also like Kobo and Apple and whatever, Barnes and Noble and whatever else. And then single dads and all the other ones are on um, Amazon and Kindle Unlimited. All right. Perfect. Yeah. You can get on to um, two different newsletters, I guess, that you're Natalie Sloan and you're Whitley Cox. Yeah. And um, well, thank you so much for coming on and telling us you, yeah. I think you're going to inspire the rest of us to go right. Thank you so much, Whitley, for coming. Thank you for having me.
Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.